0: Are you gonna get all emotional for this last baseball podcast? I think I'll go crazy and drink a water bottle. Oh my god! Classic basement water bottles. You have so many down there. Yeah, I know. Really okay. falling off
1: the wagon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's recording. All right, whatever.
1: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for September 29th, two thousand seventeen. This is the final baseball podcast of the season, with the regular season for baseball ending on Sunday. So we'll get into it, wrap up the season, hopefully on a high note. There's two high-priced pitchers on the slate, Steven Strasburg at 12000 Zach Granke at 11300 I don't think either one of them are plays that I like a ton, but I do prefer Strasburg a little bit although it does depend on if the Royals end up resting a lot of guys because they have been resting starters this week. They rested Lorenzo Cain and Salvador Perez on Tuesday or on Wednesday. Then they rested Mike Moustakis on Thursday. Salvador Perez also got hurt Thursday night, so figures that he won't play on Friday. It remains to be seen. If, if they were to rest everybody, then I think Greinke's a better play. But other than that, I think Strasburg, just better pitcher than Greinke, a lot more strikeout upside. He's also at home. He's facing the Pirates who don't hit right as well. So I think he's the superior play. Do you agree with that, Matt?
0: Yeah, I think so. Although it does depend on the Royals lineup. It's a little bit weird. The Pirates went from having no ownership any night to all of a sudden over the last two days, I think they've been the highest on offense both nights or at least close to it. I guess after Andrew McCutcheon hit three homers in a game on Tuesday, everyone just started rostering the Pirates.
1: Oh, two homers and eight RBIs. Don't don't embellish and make it seem like you had a Richie Saxon game.
0: Oh, yeah, Richie Saxon. Well, that's only halfway to a Richie Saxon game. That's uh, The Richie Saxon game is when Yahoo Sports glitches and tells you that a player has six homers through two innings and one at bat, in, it, right? Because he he didn't bat in both innings. That's that's a crazy game. Andrew McCutchen will probably never have one of those. Just it's a really hard game to do. Only Richie Sexson has been able to accomplish the Richie Sexson game.
1: Yeah, nobody nobody else has or ever will do it again. That that's a moment embedded in history that my brother likes to bring up about the craziest. This was like this was an event that happened in I think we were in like fifth or sixth grade when the Richie Sexson glitch happened. And Matt and his brother both lost his mind, and uh, I think me and my brother laughed very hard at them. And we've been bringing it up—I don't know, maybe once a month or so—for like the last ten years.
0: Just think but, about it, though. If your if your DFS app just updated that you gained eighty four points and won at bat, that's that's so many points. That's just that's just really that's really exciting.
1: So the conclusion is. <laughs> play Steven Strasburg because Andrew McCutcheon's not going to six home runs and one at bat. I think, I think that's the conclusion <laughs> that would come to. Well, so, the thing I wanted go- to get
0: to um, is that I think the pirates could actually rest guys just because they haven't rested guys in a while. But also I think Strasburg's ownership could be a little lower because people are starting to view the pirates offense as a little bit better lately for some reason. So that, that was the main point. I do like Strasburg over Granke unless the Royals are playing a really weak lineup. So let's move down to the next tier. Who are the guys you're looking at there?
1: Yeah, so Charlie Morton at 7,900 and Garrett Colt 7,800. I think those are the two best values on the slate. So in terms of Charlie Morton, the Boston Red Sox, slightly below average strikeout rate against right-handed pitching, but they have a 91 WRC+, so well below league average. They're in the bottom third of the league against right-handed pitching. And then in addition, Charlie Morton's the third highest scoring fantasy pitcher on this slate tonight, Strasburg averaging about 22 and a half fantasy points, Granky 21 and a half and then Morton a little over 19. So just Morton at 7,900, that's a really cheap price for him. And then same with Garrett Cole, his average price has been over 9,000 this year. He hasn't been great, but still 7,800 is still just too cheap of a price for him. And then in addition to that, the nationals have just been resting guys pretty much every night for the last two or three weeks or so. They've rested a ton of guys for Thursday night, so they're probably going to have some of those guys playing Friday, but it's still pretty likely that we're going to see Daniel Murphy probably not in the lineup, maybe Ryan Zimmerman gets another rest day, maybe Rendon gets another rest day, but it's very unlikely that they're going to have everybody in the lineup. Bryce Harper's only expected to play half the game, so he's probably going to, Cole's going to probably miss one at-bat of Harper, which benefits his matchup a little bit. I just think those two guys are the best, play, or the best plays relative to their price.
0: I agree with you until we see lineups, because I think some of the guys who are a little bit cheaper could face resting lineups also. But as far as we know, Morton's the best pitcher probably of anyone on this slate outside of Strasburg and Greinke, and he's much cheaper than a lot of the guys who are priced above him. I mean, he's a lot better than a lot of the guys that are priced above him. So I like Morton. I think Cole is not as good of a pitcher as Morton, but he could potentially have a really easy matchup if the Nationals rest a lot of guys. Yeah, like you said, Daniel Murphy played Thursday night, so I would say it's very unlikely he's in the lineup Friday. And if Bryce Harper plays, Cole will have to face him twice probably, but maybe not a third time. And then, yeah, there uh, there's no reason for them to play any of their other guys. I think we'll see some of them in the lineup, but we'll see some other guys resting too. So it could potentially be the easiest matchup for Cole. But I do think it's a decent matchup for a couple other guys. Tyler Skaggs gets the Mariners at home. He's only 7,300. Gene Segura, I'm not sure if he's ruled out for the season, but he probably isn't ready to play yet. So that's a downgrade for the Seattle offense. They also have a bunch of left-handed hitting. I think Segura Segura being out is a pretty big downgrade to their offensive potential against left-handed pitching. And then we haven't seen the Seattle... Their veterans rest in a while. I think Kyle Seeger sat out one game, but Cano and Cruz haven't sat out in a while. So given that this is the last weekend of the year, I think it's reasonable that one or even both of those guys rest. So Skaggs is someone to monitor, and then Chris Stratton and Jordan Lyles pitching against each other in San Francisco just both get a big boost from their parks. They're both really cheap, and they're both facing bad offenses. So I think those guys are on the table, too.
1: So jumping into offenses, there's one spot that really sticks out to me, and that is the Los Angeles Dodgers in Colorado. Obviously, the Rockies ballpark, huge boost to offenses, course Field, most favorable hitters park in baseball. And then in addition, the Dodgers are going up against Chad Bettis. Bettis, 5.72 ERA, 5.32 fifth this year, 17.4% home run to fly ball rate, so he's given up long balls. And then, in addition to that, outside of Cody Bellinger priced at fifty six hundred, the Dodgers just have an offense just too cheap for what's overall been the best offense in the National League this year. Favorable park, favorable pitcher matchup. Corey Seager forty six hundred, Justin Turner forty four hundred, and then just everybody else is for the most part just priced ridiculously cheap. Um, where is Curtis Granderson thirty eight hundred, Chris Taylor thirty nine hundred. Like, those are just really ridiculous prices for Coors Field against a bad pitcher. So I think that the Dodgers have the highest expected run output on the slate, and they're not even close to being the most expensive offense.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the Dodgers will be the highest owned offense for all of the reasons you said, and I do agree they have the highest expected output. I don't know if they make the most sense to use, though, because for what it's worth, the Dodgers did really well. I guess they're hot now. They did really well against the Padres this week. And all that that means for me is that a lot of people will use them. Obviously, using offenses in Coors Field makes sense. My concern with the Dodgers, though, is that they have been lifting hitters, not really early in games, but kind of towards the end of games. They have nothing to play for right now. You could see a lot of hitters come out late in games, even if the score is close. They really have no need to try to win. So I think that's a little bit of an issue. And I think you could argue that fading the Dodgers makes sense because that's where everyone will be, but this is a fairly large slate. So the ownership shouldn't be too crazy. Even if the Dodgers hitters are somewhere in the twenties in terms of percentage, it's the, it's the best spot in terms of run output though. So I don't know. That's a tough one. I like the Dodgers, but they may not be my favorite offense just because that's where everyone's going.
1: See, I I don't think that the ownership is going to be that crazy. Um, just because I think a lot of people are still going to want to use the Astros because of their recent hitting. I think people are going to want to use the Indians because people always like using the Indians. They're facing Mike Pelfrey. That's a really favorable matchup. So I think there's a lot of really good offense spots that I don't think anybody would go too highly owned.
0: Yeah, I guess someone like Cody Bellinger should probably be really highly owned because of the dual position eligibility. And I don't think we, we mentioned that much on here, but players that have eligibility on DraftKings at more than one position just have more ownership because you can use them in more spots and I don't know exactly how to quantify that but it does seem like the highest owned players in any given lineup are always the players that can be used in multiple spots at least for the two of us we always tend to use players that you can plug in at multiple positions because when you're making more than one stack it's just easier to fit them in different spots in your lineup But I agree with you. Those teams should be high owned too. I think the Dodgers probably will be higher, but yeah, maybe nothing crazy. It'll still be decent though. And I think the low owned spot that we both like a lot and could be my favorite offense is probably the Phillies who are really cheap against Matt Harvey. And to me, it just seems like they're way underpriced against Harvey. Who's just not even close to ready to pitch in the major leagues right now.
1: Yeah. The Mets just keep throwing Harvey out there. Uh, I can't even remember him having a single good start this year. Like, is that possible? He that struck he out Giancarlo
0: games? Stanton once and I was like, "Wow, he <laughs> might be good." And then I think he proceeded to give up six more hits in the inning. I don't I don't know if he's had a good start.
1: Harvey has a 6.6 uh, 6.6 ERA this year, a 6.34 FIP. I'm going to go through his game log to see if he's even had a quality start this year. So the last not that I even think this is like a good measure, but, or I'll say it not it's definitely not a perfect measure, but Harvey has made three quality starts this year. His last quality, or four quality starts, his last one was May 28th against the Pirates. So that's a really, like, that's a really long time to not have what's considered, like six innings, three runs is not even a it's not even a, a quality start,
0: start is not quality a quality start is a not terrible start that statistic is pretty pretty wrongly named but he he hasn't even been able to do that he's he's, he's had a he's terrible gone season four months without doing it <laughs> and the Mets so, bullpen isn't particularly good either and the Phillies are just also really cheap and that's a pretty good offense Reese hoskins at 4300 seems like kind of a joke and nick williams i don't think has been priced up to even 4000 at any point this season despite being a pretty good hitter he's a good prospect it's not really a fluke in my mind that he's been good this year Aaron Altair is back off the DL the Phillies have nothing to play for but they'd like to beat the Mets I mean I would I would guess the motivation there while not crazy is sufficient enough where they'll play their young regulars just because the fans want to see them they probably would like to beat the Mets and they're young guys who they want to give experience to so there's Probably not going to be any resting from the Phillies lineup, and the expected output against Harvey seems maybe not on the level of the Dodgers or the Indians or the Astros, but I think it's right underneath those teams for much lower cost and probably much lower ownership.
1: So there's one other spot that you brought up to me before we did the podcast that you really liked a lot. You want to talk about them?
0: Oh, I now I have to remember what I was going to... Oh, yeah, okay. I got it. I almost forgot my own point. Do I have to tell you who you like? <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, Yeah, that spot is the Texas Rangers against Raul Alcantara. Is that right? Did I get my own pick right? Do I remember correctly? Yes, that's, that is who you like, Matt. Oh, great. Thanks, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, the Rangers are kind of medium-priced against Alcantara. Nomar Mazzara is the most expensive hitter at 4600 They don't have Adrian Beltre in the lineup. He's shut down for the year, so that's a downgrade. I'm trying to find Joey Gallo now because he, he doesn't show up on he's, the main page. He's wow, 3, he's only 3800. So I I really like Joey Gallo in this matchup. The Rangers are not an expensive lineup to uh, not an expensive stack to make. None of their hitters are that crazy priced, and Raul Alcantara is really bad. So the deal with him is that he's a 24 year old prospect who is throwing harder this year than he did in his stint in the majors last year, which lasted 22 innings. He hasn't been good in the minors. In AAA this year, over 33 and two-thirds innings, mostly in relief. He struck out under six batters per nine. He showed decent control with under two walks per nine. And he had a 267 ERA, but his peripherals suggested he was a good amount worse than that. But in the majors this year, Alcantara has been awful. So even if he's a decent prospect with a decent minor league track record, which I think is a stretch, in the majors, he just hasn't lived up to any hype. He's, He's struck out and walked the same... Amount of hitters this year at 4.58 strikeouts, 4.58 walks per nine. His ERA is 6.86, but I think that people will kind of be off Texas, and I think their prices could be suppressed for the same reason because Alcantara managed to go eight and two-thirds innings over his last two appearances without giving up a run. And I just, I, I get how it's possible, but it's it's a fluke for sure. His BABIP is only 213. So is he lucky to have an ERA in the sixes, and perhaps it should be higher? I'm not sure, but this is a bad pitcher who's had a really fluky run over the last week, and Texas should do well against him despite just having faced him and not scoring in five innings.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, just whenever anybody has the same amount of walks to strikeouts, 4.58 strikeouts per nine innings to 4.58 walks. That's probably a bad picture. I think that's a good indicator. <laughs> so that's going to finish the podcast, not just for today, but for the entire season. So this was uh, this was pretty fun for really our first time trying this. I guess we regularly started doing the podcast about two months ago or two and a half months ago, and we did get over 10,000 downloads. So that's that's pretty cool. We'll definitely keep building on this. Matt's going to be doing a hockey podcast. Going forward, I'm going to be doing a basketball podcast. I think Matt also is going to be doing the basketball podcast with me. I don't know about every day, except definitely some days, and Matt will be doing regular hockey podcasts when there's good hockey slates. So,
0: Don't forget about guys. football. We still have that, too.
1: Yeah, well, football is only once a week. But, the, uh, but yeah, listen.
0: Go listen to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys for listening, and keep listening to – all our other podcasts for other sports. We have the soccer one that Nick and Rob do together and there'll be there'll be more sports coming. We're gonna have a golf one coming. So lots of things. You can follow me on Twitter at G DFS. Matt's Twitter handles at Preaching Sense. Thank you guys for listening this year.